Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad alongside Mr. Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Chuck Mike and Davies. And today, not only are we going to talk about the homegrown teenage goalkeeping sensation from the Chicago Fire, Gaga Slonina, who is getting signed by Chelsea. Maybe you've heard of that club or not, and all the positive ripple effects from that move. But first, we have to talk about more important matters. And that is stud midfielder for the U.S. men's national team, Weston McKinney, dislocating his shoulder a few days ago while training with Juve, which means he's now slated to be out of action for the next three to four weeks, which gives me pause. And not because I'm worried he won't be ready for the World Cup. I'm sure he will have plenty of time to recover his fitness and get sharp again. It gives me pause because Weston, Tyler Adams, Christian Pulisic, Timo Weah, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, Jardinho Dest, Gio Reyna, they've all missed large portions of games due to injuries. So for all the talent we have in this player pool, Maybe the trade-off is that we're injury-prone. Charlie, what do you say? I say no. We are not injury-prone. People go through injuries. That's that's just normal. I would not say we're injury-prone. And it's a month. It's not six months. We're not talking, oh, my God, he's, he's going to miss the World Cup with this injury. It, it's a shoulder injury. Yes, it, it could be significant because – from what, what I understand when I was playing, if someone had a shoulder, shoulder injury, it would last. It, it would it would kind of just be there throughout you know the year. It, it would never really went away. It, I think it takes a long time, similar to like a, a severe ankle sprain. But I'm not worried. I am confident that – and we have, we have a lot of players that, considering the September friendlies. This could be a great opportunity to see some other guys, you know, Let's not forget Brent Aronson's pass and that friendly. Do I have to go there? I mean, <laughs> Patrick Bamford got that ball and was like, oh, man, this this boy can play. So maybe it's another opportunity for Brent Aronson to play there. It's a, another opportunity to see Luca De La Torre. So, yes, we know Weston's going to be fine. It's it's only a month at worst okay, six okay, weeks. Okay. And Giorena can slot centrally as well. Heath, your thoughts on this? I mean, we do have guys. I know that Charlie's playing – the positive side of this. And I appreciate that, but there is some evidence that we are a little bit injury prone. And when our guys get hurt, they're out for a while. It's not like these, you know, one weekers we're out for multiple weeks, potentially months. I just feel like one of these guys that I named just a little bit earlier 
is probably going to be out for the World Cup. And that's going to be av- absolutely devastating for them on an individual level, uh, uh, level like it is for Miles Robinson. But but I don't know which one. I just thought that probably one of them are going to be out. And that's so, already. Don't be that crazy. Come on. It's not us. It's not isolated to our national team, Charlie. It's, it's he, other, every on. national team's going to go through this. With, with every injury comes an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I, not like I, we're, you know we're short of options. I mean, even like a, a no, Richie Desma who gets two minutes in the in the the Dutch Cup with PSV and they win. He he even had a highlight for that two minutes just being on the pitch. That's a, maybe another possibility to get him in into the fold and see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, uh, you weirdly we've tried a lot of players in this pool, and then that that eleven has gotten clearer and clearer for us. But you still have to have depth, and now we're starting to see sort of breadth and depth within this national team pool and a chance to use it. And if you're Greg Berhalter, it could be a perfect excuse to slide slot a player like a Gio Reyna into a, into a spot or whatever to, to look at something different. But it is, it is a, a real eye opener for us when we go through these ebb and flow of like players playing. And then we had a week last week where everyone scored on our, in our national team pool. And then you have a week where now you've got a few injuries again. And so makes me nervous because it, it really makes you open your eyes to wait. Are we as deep as we think we are? We're deep in terms of potential talent, but are we deep in terms of talent in this national team? And you get a chance to look at these players. Charlie, you seem like you have something to say. Jimmy, I, <laughs> I, I get how Oh, he called you by your first oh name. This is, <laughs> he did. This is serious. Like my mom, hey, my yeah, you're not cream right cheese now. now. You're Jimmy now. All right. Uh, Jim, listen <laughs> to me. <laughs> what I'm going to say is we can't be worried. It's It's... And this is the realization is in a World Cup, any number of these players can go down injured. Maybe it's a red card. Maybe it's an injury. Somebody has to step up. So I'd like to know if Weston McKinney gets injured during the World Cup, leading up to the World Cup, who would fit in? Gio Reyna, for me, I've been saying this from the very beginning. He feels very comfortable in in tight spaces in that central midfield position, I think this is a perfect opportunity to see what he can do. Now, being in that position, he's also going to have to defend. He has to get his, his hands dirty. I think he's capable of doing that. I don't think we've always seen that from him. But, yeah, he, he could be in the midfield. And with Yunus Musa and him controlling the game, man, dribbling out of trouble, being able to alleviate pressure on the dribble, that's a fantastic and dynamic midfield. No, no, I like that. I think, at least in my perfect world view of the national team or any national team or any club team, you can't be overly reliant on one particular player. So, Heath, I'll throw this to you. Is there any player on our national team that is irreplaceable? Because we've done it without Christian Pulisic. We've done it without Tyler Adams. We've obviously rotated our goalkeepers. Our back line has been a mismatch of, of players throughout qualifying and in friendlies. Is there any player that you think is ir- irreplaceable? Because... I feel like Man, we you're, need. You're setting me up to get attacked on the internet. Jim. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> my answer might not be. My, hey, Jim, your, your, my answer might not be. Hey, Jim. Thank you. Hey, Thanks. Jim. <laughs> hey. Hey, Jim, I, I like I don't think any one player is irreplaceable. I mean, Gio Reyna, who's probably continues to still have the most upside of anybody, has been out of the national team for a while. And we make do. It, it, it is a team sport. And so there's no one glaring error. I think. Because we don't have a goal scorer, that would probably be the one. If we had a, an out-and-out goal scorer right now where you have this glaring error, I think that as, is a gigantic hole in itself. But in terms of the way we play, where I'd be most nervous is if we lost another center back. 
uh, MMA. I think we're we're seeing that depth now that's pushed uh, guys like Sebastian Legette to 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 the to the outskirts of the national team and the depth of that pool. Um, but again, I, I'm thinking of of a, of a Pulisic or a Timo Weah being hard to replace. Nah, because you have you have Brendan Aronson. So, yeah, it's tough to say. Uh, even Kellen Acosta has slotted in at times. It, weirdly, I'm 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 thinking I'm thinking about our center backs. Of like, a, if you lost one more center back, I'd be really really worried um, ab- about this team. Who, who, and specifically, who could we not play with? If there's one player, if for me it's Yunus Musa. That is the one player you cannot recreate. There's nobody what, else in the in the in the pool that can do what he does. What about what about Anthony Robinson? Because because he's really made the left back spot his own, and I don't feel like we have. Not that we don't have players that are, you know, somewhere uh, in that space. George Bella, but I mean, he's still young. I mean, Anthony Robinson for me is interesting because okay, maybe defensively he could be a little bit better, but getting forward, really understanding his role, I feel like he's been a little more disciplined in the last few games, especially in the June friendlies, in in knowing when to go and when to stay. Uh, outside of him bombing forward and being right next to Brendan yeah, Aronson. When no, he didn't. He has that. No, you know, these guys. Okay, bomb okay. Forward, it depends on the opponent. Okay, fine. Oh, it depends yeah. on the opponent. I'm just thinking that Anthony Robinson is, is one of those players because we don't necessarily have a backup that I think we're all completely confident as to who would be back. I mean, Serginho Des, we could put him out there, but that's not his best spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know. There's no real Walker Zimmerman right. for me is uh, Walker Zimmerman only because he's been the one consistent thing for the last months that I worry about and finding a, a, another combination pairing. I'm not saying Walker Zimmerman is the, the best center back we've ever had by any means, but within this national team, he has brought some comfort to me in terms of whoever you put next to him can be complimentary. He can lead that back line. I found some peace or, or I guess comfort in, in him being on the field. If he wasn't, I do worry about what's the combination pairing at, at the World Cup level. Um, but the other ones, like left back, right back, Serginho Des, switch him to the left, no problem, like DeAndre Yedlin. Those have always been, like, issues that you can you can stop, like, you can plug up, you know, you can kind of plug that hole. You might not have the same level, but kind of up the spine is where I worry the most. And Charlie's got a good point with Eunice Musa as well. Like, just right up the middle is, is where I, I start to get nervous. Okay, but well, we haven't mentioned Wes McKinney, who's actually the player that's hurt, Charlie. So I think we could probably live and survive and be fine without Weston McKinney, even though he does bring a lot of intangibles. And as we mentioned before, he's probably our most clutch player in the pool. Yeah, but I'd also touch on what Heath just said, the spine, right? That's so important. It's critical to a team's success. That's where our kind of our weakness is, right? The striker mm. position, even though Jesus Ferrer is balling right now, I, I don't want to take anything away from his progress and what he's doing in MLS. But you would have to say the nine and the center back position, not that we're worried about the goalkeeper position, but you know, I think now that Zach Steffen has – consistent game time and now Matt Turner who had had kind of really taken the number one um, as his own with his performances is now not going to play he's not going to play a single league game unless Ramsdale gets injured for for the next six months so if you're looking at the spawn I'd say that is where we are weakest okay now let's talk about Brendan Aronson a little bit just because he is coming off a pretty successful game against Cagliari and leads a 6-2 win over the Serie A club. He had a couple assists. He, the way that he drives forward, attacks the space if he has it in front of him, obviously his change of speed, Heath, is next level with the ball in particular. This is all good signs. I mean, I think obviously he had a pretty decent price tag moving from RB Salzburg to Leeds and obviously having an American manager, there was going to be some pressure bringing in an American and Tyler Adams as well. 
got to play. Now they rated Tyler, or excuse me, we'll leave Tyler Adams out of it right now. Brendan Aronson, an eight out of 10 based on his performance. Uh, mm. And I think that bodes well for him. But I love the spots that he's picking the ball up. It's more central to what Charlie was saying before, that even if Wesley McKinney does go down or anybody else in midfield, Brendan Aronson can slot in there and make a real difference. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Brendan Aronson, I'm just trying to keep it into perspective of 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 who they're playing against. Wait, 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 wait. So you're not going to overhype him like you did with Ricardo Pepe and then... No, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still hot on Ricardo Pepe, Jim. Don't worry about that. I'm, I, 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 but Brendan Aronson, Jim is, is one that I'm like, I I go, I go back to a memory that I had where we played in the cup. When I first got to the Bundesliga, we played in the cup game and I had a couple assists and I was feeling on top of the world and I, I whipped in a couple of really good balls and it was against the lower division team. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is like, I, I think I can, you know, I was playing at the level of the players that I was coming in to play with, but mm-hmm. we were playing against a lesser opponent similar to, to what I think um, Leeds was playing. And I remember a teammate coming up to me and saying like, do it in the Bundesliga and then, and then feel good about yourself. And I, I remember <laughs> thinking about that, like, man, this guy was really harsh on me. Like, uh, for a performance like that and and thinking about that, I always try to keep that in the perspective of like, it's a long season. Do it at, in the Premier League because while his tools are going to translate immediately, there is going to be high highs and low lows of playing for a club like Leeds in the Premier League that's going to be a lot harder uh, to consistently put up the numbers that perhaps we expect of him that comes with his price tag. But in terms of his overall performance, I thought it was fantastic and one that hopefully gives him this belief and ability of, hey, I'm wearing this shirt of a Premier League club and I'm able to take over games and moments. That's something that I, again, you go from Brendan Aronson, the worry of can he play in Europe at, at, at a high, level, high enough level? Is he, is he physical enough? Can he handle the demands there? Takes that on, goes to the next level, does well in the Champions League, and now he's got his next challenge, which is going to be even more physical. The game's going to be faster than perhaps even what Champions League is playing in the Premier League week in and week out. But I, I, I'm interested to see how he response uh to the challenges that are going to be in front of him but do it in the premier league first jimmy is my my uh my uh message well he's going to get that opportunity this weekend when Leeds host wolves in the first game of the premier league season we'll see how he performs we'll see if he gets the start it looking like he is and will and tyler adams also got the start against cagliari so we'll see if that maintains uh that starting status for the game against wolves. he got a six six out of ten they said he was solid Kept it moving, and uh, the quote was, very intense when pressuring the ball. <laughs> Sounds about right. I you know the captain. Who, uh, who, who's giving these ratings, Jim? It's it's the local Leeds people. I don't know. I'm just looking at I, – I believe no, everything. I'm, I'm just wondering, internet, like, was it so. was it a website, or was it like a, was it like a supporter a group that did group. it? Or? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Let me see. No, no, it wasn't a supporters group. It was uh, – oh, it won't let me go back that far again because I moved on to my Brandon Vasquez research. But, but – uh, so the no, it was like a, it was like the, like the Chronicle or whatever, the Leeds Chronicle. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's a local outlet and publication. So, so You're spending one, one, one pound a month, Jimmy, for uh, for your subscription. You know what? The, uh, I tried to follow my guys. I tried to follow yeah, my guys. It. So, so looking ahead to this European season, Charlie, I'll go to you on this. Are there any players that you're excited to see? get this opportunity. Obviously, Chris Richards, will he be slotted in immediately yeah. for Crystal Palace's game against Arsenal this Friday? That'll be interesting to see if Patrick Vieira leans on him right away. Uh, obviously, the Leeds guys and and uh, Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams and obviously Jesse Marsh starting off on the right foot from a managerial perspective. Anybody else, though, that maybe you're excited to see get cracking with this European season about to begin? Yeah, Luca Del Torre with Celta mm, de Vigo. Good one, good one. Um, uh, obviously, Zach Steffen with Middlesbrough to see him. And Is Derek there a rumor, Kiki by the way, of De La Torre 
getting time. I, I, he's one that I haven't heard about in terms of like, you know, we're hearing the rumors of like could slot into the starting lineup on opening weekend type right. of thing um, with Chris Richards That's and whatnot. Has anybody heard for De La Torre? No, I, I, there hasn't been as much chatter around him. I think from what I understand, the coach is saying he wants to bring him in. He's a fan of his game, but he's got to get him assimilated into the tactics and how the team wants to move. I mean, you can take that for what it is, but that's... And, and that's to be honest, Eunice Musa has had an incredible preseason with, with Valencia in a central midfield role. So they've, they've moved him now from the winger position, which really didn't fit, to now that central midfield position, with, which he plays with the U.S. men's national team, and he's looked electric. So I'm really... Um, pumped to, to, to see what he can do this year in La Liga. Yeah, Yunus Musa for Valencia plays Girona on Sunday, August 14th. Girona is the team that Tati Castellanos just mm. went to from NYCFC. Celta Vigo hosts Espanyol on Saturday, August 13th. The first game of La Liga will be a week from Friday, August 12th. Osasuna takes on Sevilla. Any other names, though, that we're excited about? Obviously, we have... Haji Wright. I'm curious to see how you know he's going to start the Super League. And, and these guys, oh, uh, Ricardo Pepe, uh, the Bundesliga when that gets going, which is uh, I think starts off on Friday as well. Heath, anybody in Germany outside of Ricardo Pepe? Are you are you hearing anything about Pepe? Uh, I mean, he's he's doing well in, in the matches. Obviously, they they put a beating on somebody, and he had a couple good balls, through balls. He was active in the attack from more from wider areas, but. Um, he looks solid, but anytime you see a 6-0, you always hope that you, you, you see Ricardo Pepe on the score sheet and wasn't. I think it was 6-0 or something like that in a cup match. Um, but he's yeah, one that, he's again, he's has he's to come up. What's that? I said no, I, I, I think it was I think it was an MLS-style assist where, uh, okay. you know, it was, uh, it, was the, it was the through ball that set up like kind of a, an easy pass for a tap-in. So in, in theory, it was involved in the buildup or started the buildup for a goal, which was nice. Um, nice little clip over the top to to um, a player in behind. So that was good. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, in my mind of, of who, who could really kind of have a breakout with the European seasons. It's still, to me, it comes back down to uh, Vasquez and, and what he's doing right now. I continue to be impressed. I don't know what your guys' takes are on Vasquez, not, not the European season uh, related, but just in terms of our number nine depth and trying something and, and bringing in a player that's in top form that still hasn't been involved yet. What I find interesting about Brendan Vasquez, I'll go first here, resident number nine, Charlie Davies, is that he didn't even get named to the MLS All-Star team. And given the numbers that he has going, it's, it's, it's I don't say embarrassing, but it, what else does the guy have to do to be in consideration for that? He had another two goals this weekend in a crazy 4-4 game against uh, Inter Miami. He plays for FC Cincinnati. There's another 4-4 game between the Timbers and Minnesota United. So two 4-4 games this particular weekend. But Brandon Vasquez is currently third in the league in scoring. We have uh, Sebastian Driussi from Austin is on top with 14 goals. Tate Castellanos is on 13. He's going to stay at 13 because he left. And Brandon Vasquez also on 13. He he's His contribution, goal scoring contribution, is pretty high. 35% of his team's goals are scored by him. But it's not only that. I think to Heath's point, he's also bringing other players into the game. He's also having good holdup play. He's scoring different types of goals, Charlie. I think he's got a legitimate chance. I don't know. Maybe you bring him in for the September window. I wouldn't mind seeing him at this point to see how he really fits in with the rest of the group. And we've done it with other players, Haji Wright in particular, maybe the last last example. So why not Brandon Vasquez at this point? Yeah. You, you know, when when you say, why didn't you make the, the MLS All-Star uh, game? When I look at the players he's competing over, he's not better than them. 
you know, in terms of what you get from him, yeah, he's scoring goals. But overall quality, when I'm looking at a player, and, and I've watched Brendan Vasquez now live a couple of times, you, yes, he puts himself in good positions and makes good runs. But you're talking about you have to take your your game a whole nother level up with um, international quality. And not to say that he can't do it, but I haven't been moved to say, oh, yes, that's that's the, that's the answer for us. Um, Charlie, hates, he, Charlie, Charlie hates Brendan Vasquez. Heath, I don't know what you're right. reading. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. hearing. The guy's um, got five goals in his last four games, but but Charlie's okay. saying he's not good enough. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, he had two against <laughs> Miami. Um, but it was uh, the past the voting uh, window. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's, that's true. It's not keep going, um, keep going, Charlie. Top, keep it's going. not the top team in, in MLS, <laughs> the top defensive team. But uh yeah, I mean, he's not nowhere he couldn't tie Tati Cassiano's shoes, right? Driusi and wow. you know, <laughs> <laughs> my guy hates yeah. potential US national team players. He Jesus, not, hey, like, Jesus Ferreira is he's killing it. What are you talking about? He's got 12 goals and five assists. When and Vasquez has 13 and four, but yes, okay. But the way he's uh, done, the way he's done it is much more impressive. That's what I'm saying. If wow. you watch okay. the game, Charlie's out here a, saying a goal is a goal, and now he's saying those goals don't count. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a, a player like Luka Tony, right? If you watch Luka Tony, and yeah, there there there's certain strikers, Jordan Pifok, they they play a certain style. Yeah, I'm not saying that Brandon Vasquez couldn't adapt or change, but from what I'm 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 watching. I don't know if that's the answer for this group, but a call up in September, I think we we would definitely have an opportunity to see if how that would look and and how he could you know potentially play with that group of players at, in, in the international game. So I'm okay with him getting called in if he's scoring goals like this left and right. But it's the same thing as Jeremy Obobese. He was pace for pace with Brendan Vasquez in terms of goals. You're going to tell me that he's the answer at nine for us? I'd say no. Okay, so let's Jimmy, talk about do you Jordan think Pifak. Jimmy, let me ask you this real go quick ahead, go ahead, before go we go to Pifok. Do you think that there is a little bit of bias in the fact that Brandon Vasquez isn't young? He wasn't proven in the early years. Like he's 23 years old now, rounding into form for the first time. Sort of the, the natural trajectory of, of what you would have any player that was a non-striker. But do you think there's a little bit of that against him considering it doesn't really fit the mold of our, our you know, Ricardo Pepe, 18, 19 years old, that type of thing? Or do you think it's just literally... You know the the lack of the all star call up. Okay, I get it because there is for anybody that doesn't know, it's voting. Then you have the coaches' picks, then you have the commissioners' picks, and so he he wasn't going to get voted in. Um, and well, that's a crapshoot. But like coaches' picks didn't go with him, and then you have the commissioners' picks. And so, do you think that they're outside of that for him as a player within the national team? Do you think it just doesn't fit that the sexiness who, that we like of, it, of, he, of a player? Who's he going to play over? Who's he going to play over? Who would he be picked over in terms of? Okay, strikers? okay, well. I just feel like, okay, let's leave the, that's true on the all-star stuff. I mean, there's other guys that are killing it. I, I agree with you on that, Charlie. But from a national team perspective, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a call in. I mean, we didn't see team away at the nine at any point over the four June games. And that right. kind of bummed me out because I wanted to see what that looked like as we put more of our, I don't know, our, our players that have been played at a high level on the field together at the same time. Now, Heath, you're talking about Brandon Vasquez, like he's 29 years old, getting close to the wrong side of 30. Dude's 23. It's not like he's too far away from, from, the youth model that I think, but maybe, yeah, but he, he was in Atlanta. From... He was in Atlanta. Yeah, didn't right. score goals. You know what I mean? Like he, he's, he's been around, like the name has been around. It's not like, it's not like Ricardo Pepe was a kid. And then all of a sudden scored a bunch of goals. And we were like, Oh man, look at this guy who's, who's arrived on the scene. This is a guy who's 
finding goals now five years into his professional career. Yeah, but maybe look at Chris Wondolowski is a perfect example of taking a while to, to find his groove and get his confidence and, and really know who he is and what he's about. And I know there's already beef from national team fans about Chris Wondolowski. We'll leave that for another time. I also saw somebody in the comments saying that Vasquez is just a poacher. Dude, Chicharito's just a poacher. Mexico would kill to have Chicharito at this point. I think at least the players. I don't know about Tata Martino, but but there's room Ruben for a Nistoroy poacher. Ruben was, was a poacher. There's a ton uh, of no, like, Ruben Nistoroy was something else. I mean, let's not but, just but he categorize wasn't, he, Ruben wow, Nistoroy wow. as a poacher. Charlie just he got never triggered he, by that, by the way. He was incredible. No, but he's, he still scored. Yeah, but incredible. he still scored all of his goals within the, like eight yards of the box. It wasn't like what we're expecting of a guy to hit bangers from everywhere. All I have to say is you saw uh, Ruud Vinistori's goal where he chipped the keeper. He, take, he takes a touch, goes out wide, then like chips it. He's, it's yes, it might have been a lot of close range goals, but there was so many, for, there was so much variety with the type of goals he scored. Okay, he, but Charlie, he had so much you, quality. But you you agree that having a poacher on a squad is is a good thing to have somebody that gets in and around yes. the hole and, and right. So you, I'm just saying, people in Zaghi was a was a was a one of the best poachers ever. He never scored. He he couldn't even hit the he couldn't even hit the target if he was outside the box. But but yeah, if Pfalk is not going to be that I, guy I, for he, us, he, he missed the center in Mexico. It, for Italy. Yeah, but I mean, if we have our guys that because aren't did, because fulfilling you, you those, those more than just rules, okay, keep poacher. going. Yeah, but right. I'm just saying, he he brought up Inzaghi. Inzaghi, incredible poacher, but not with the Italian national team. He was never the go-to striker for the Italian national team because you need to have a little bit more than just being a poacher. That's at the end of the day. You have to adjust. Maybe it's a game where you have to defend a lot and you have to be able to know how to press, lead the press, win fouls, hold up play. So being a poacher, it doesn't matter in that instance because you have to bring other play players into the game. You have to bring basically relieve pressure and allow, you know, a Christian Post like a Timo Weah, Gio Reyna, play them into the channels. So if you're a poacher, you're, you're useless. But in a game where you're down a goal, in, in the World Cup, and you're like, all right, we need a poacher. We need somebody because we're just getting – we have possession. We're whipping balls in, but we have nobody to finish. That's a perfect substitution. So, yes. But I will say there's also Jordan Pifok who's playing in, in Bundesliga. If he starts scoring, yes. where's your poacher? Oh, That's yeah, a guy who no can't problem. do anything else but score. He, he can't run the channels. He can't press. He's not fast. But he, he's strong. He can hold up the ball. And he can finish on in, in the box. So you need a you need a player to to get it come in and change the game just with goal scoring. There's your guy. Listen, I'm here putting my flag on the ground to say that I want Jordan Pifok to absolutely crush it in the Bundesliga, and I want him to get called back in because I want him to have a chance at redemption for the miss that he had in Mexico that everybody are going to remember about his stint with the national team unless he has other opportunities. I think he has it in him. It's just a matter of confidence. Confidence is a hell of a drug, and he needs a little bit of it. And when you're a goal scorer, you got to hit the back of the net. Well, he just scored in the way. cup right now. He just scored in the cup. Literally, as we're talking, he scored in the cup uh, uh, for the DFB. What, what kind of goal, Heath? So. What kind of goal? Do you see it? I don't know. I don't. I don't have it. I just. I. I. I read it in the chat from our uh, producer, and then against? I went to. Then I went to. Uh, yeah, Kimnitz. Kimnitzer. You've heard of them? I think they have. I, yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of them, but like, I don't. I don't know anything about. Chen Listen, a goal is a goal is a goal. No, no, I'm just Charlie. <laughs> I, just, I just I just asked if you've heard of the club before because I feel like I've I've seen a lot of clubs in in my time, and I've never seen and I've played you know championship manager you know you, you you're a pretty you know avid fan you you know the the teams in the league in the world I've never heard of this team in my life I've never seen it but hey a goal is a goal a goal is a goal hopefully it was a pretty they one they are uh. Definitely in East Germany. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a cup match. But you know that's the good thing about the cup matches. There is the tune up. You get one before the before the the actual league starts. So you know it's uh, to be able to score. You know, keep on going. Yeah, you got to keep on going Where, wherever wherever you're going to get them. Preseason against uh, yeah, they're in the regional league. It's like the fourth division. division. I think okay. yeah. So I think they have the three Bundesligas now, and then they get into the regional ligas. So I think. Uh, Against the fourth division team, which is is expected, he's ex- he's expected to score, but you know, yeah, and I want Hashi to play striker, well yeah. too. I just want as many guys as possible playing at the highest level, so we have a plethora of options to choose from when it comes to naming the twenty six man World Cup squad. That is going to be a lot of pressure. And what I found interesting was that Walker Zimmerman and Tyler Adams had both come out over the last month or two saying that they might approach things a little bit different because nobody wants to get hurt. And obviously when you see Miles Robinson go down with an Achilles, you're just, oh man, I'm going to tiptoe around. And I'm curious how the guys, not only our guys, but but national team players around the world are going to approach the next few months because this is a life-changing event. This is an experience that no one can take a, take away from you once you do get there and represent your country. So it's, it's interesting how different guys are going to approach it. And some guys are going to get hurt. That's the unfortunate part of this. All right, we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're going to talk about Gaga Slonina making the big move from the Chicago Fire to another team that starts with a CH, Chelsea. So don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer. We trust him, Jimmy Conrad, alongside Charlie Davis and Heath Pierce. And uh, we just had a scintillating conversation about our player pool and, and Weston McKinney's injury. We know he'll get back, but still a little bit nervous about what that means overall, the bigger picture of just injuries in general and how that could impact our team heading into the World Cup and at the World Cup itself. But now let's talk about some positive news. Let's talk about the positive ripple effects of a homegrown teenage goalkeeping sensation in Gaga Slonina going from the Chicago Fire and then to Chelsea, which is pretty significant. Now he's going to stay with the Chicago Fire for the rest of the season and join Chelsea on January 1st, 2023. But this is a big move. And obviously it's looking forward for Chelsea as they look for a long-term backup for 
Uh, Edward Mendy, who arguably is the best goalkeeper in the world. Kepa looks like he's going to be on the move looking for a loan right now. But uh, Heath, I'll come to you first. Gaga Slonina, he could have gone to a couple of clubs. I guess Real Madrid was interested as well, but he ends up settling on Chelsea. Pretty big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, but I worry about, again. Uh, he came in early when, with the butt, when, Charlie. He came in real yeah, early uh, with the butt. Uh, yeah, it should be a butt. How many Chelsea <laughs> players outside of Christian Pulisic, who got bought for a lot, have done anything at Chelsea? They're notorious for their loan system. Now, if he gets loaned to the right clubs along the way and he gets the minutes that we need for him to develop, great. I like that they're buying him on potential. But the things that Charlie mentioned uh, in his analysis of Selenina, I don't know, a month or two ago about his feet and some of the things that need work, aren't going to happen just in training. They need to be around games. So if he's going to find himself there and buried in a lineup or going out on loan and in unstable situations might be good for him, but also might be to the detriment of his, his development. That's my, my current take on it. But the fact that it's happening and, and there's that interest, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And it's a validator to, again, the, the, the quality of player and been a while when you think about Sean Johnson and Bill Hamid and that window of players, since we saw a young, a young goalkeeper go to Europe and and you know who was the last one? Brad Gazan, maybe outside of what we're seeing now with 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 Matt Turner and Zach Steffen. I guess Zach Steffen would have been the one. Um, but you, you know uh, we've been known for our f- famous goalkeepers as as what sort of put soccer right. on the map for us in the U.S. Uh, and to see another one at a young age going going abroad or at least signing with a team abroad is pretty cool. I, I liked you ended on a positive because your negative energy was bringing me down, Heath. Charlie, <laughs> what are you saying about uh, Gaga Slonina? And, and I agree with Heath that it's it's there's a lot to do. Yes, this is a, a good thing, and it sounds nice. And we saw it with Eric Palmer Brown when he left Kansas City to go to Manchester City, but he's actually never played for Man City. Only met Pep Guardiola once when we had him on the show. That's what he told us, which I found to be pretty phenomenal, and he's been on loan ever since. Gaga Slonina must have something in place or some type of verbal agreement or something on paper that says, hey – you come to us, you're going to stay with us. We're going to help develop you. But we all know that getting games is the most important thing, especially for young goalkeepers. Yeah, I think for Gaga Solnina, the most important thing is, is development by playing. He needs to be mm-hmm. playing matches. Now, I think what's great about Chelsea is you can go to get proper coaching. I mean, not that he's not getting proper coaching with Aiden Brown, who who is an incredible goal, was an incredible goalkeeper. But I think when you're talking about a young player who he, he's motivated, he's he's well uh, wise, well beyond his years. I mean, he, he he's he's got like a drive about him. He's very smart. He's trying to do everything in his power to make sure that he reaches his full potential. So to stay humble and just continue to work, I think if he goes and gets some coaching, then goes back on, on loan, that's what's going to be important for him is just continuing to play at the highest level playing with first teams and not with reserve sides. And and so I, I think from a shot-stopping perspe- uh, perspective, he is incredible, but has to learn to play with his feet, has to learn a little bit more with, with the nuances. We, we're always learning, but um, it, it's exciting. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, put you back on the spot here, on the hot seat here, Charlie, to be a master prognosticator, look into your crystal ball, and do you think that Gaga Slonina will be our number one in 2026? Do you think that he's going to grow that rapidly. Very similar to Donnarumma with Italy, who was a young goalkeeper that ended up being the, the the best player of the tournament in the Euros last summer for the Italians, even though they couldn't qualify for the last two World Cups. I mean, what, what do you what do you say about his potential? And do you think his potential is going to be big enough and, and he's going to reach that potential and overshadow some of our other guys that are solid, including Matt Turner, who we like to hope will get some valuable minutes uh, with Arsenal over the next few seasons? I mean, 
Matt Turner would be 32. So you're you're coming into your prime. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Steffen, same thing, 32, 33. So not that I would say no chance that he could be the one, but it's it's going to be difficult. Whoever's whoever is the one in 2026, you can believe that they are the consistent one at their club and they're playing regularly. And there's a lot of talent at that position for the U.S. So it'll be very difficult yeah. for Salina to be playing as the one considering he still probably have to work his work his way up. Mendy's a young, pretty young keeper. I don't yeah, see him going away. He's 30. So, that's <laughs> yeah. right. so uh, I think, um, I'm just throwing it out there. I wanted yeah. to give people some, something to some context as to how talented he is, but how much work there still is yet to be done. And, yes. and what that means, even if he does start to emerge as like this incredible world-class I, talent, which obviously I, there's identification of that. I mean, I, I I will say four years is a long time. If we have one of those three that doesn't play for the next three years, they're not going to be in the national team pool anymore. That's what I I, right, I, right. I truly think three years from now. Matt Turner doesn't play for three years at Arsenal. Still an incredible story of his, but not going to be in the national team anymore. I think we're going to have more options in three years than we have now, and there's going to be more competition naturally in the national team that I don't think a window of time like that for a player going into the prime of their career Will, will be valid. Same with Zach Steffen. If he ends up, you know, going somewhere and not playing for 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 three seasons, it's going to be know, hard to justify that. Though. Is, yeah, know, but if you, I I fully <laughs> agree that keepers are different. But if you if you were to add all that time together and say, well, you know, you got one two starting years out of the last six or seven, I I don't know if that's I don't know if that's starting goalkeeper in the twenty twenty six World Cup. Um, no, no, a hundred percent. But what I'm saying is. You know, Ethan Horvath is 27, and he got the start and a clean sheet in his first championship championship match against Birmingham in a nil-nil shutout. Zach Steffen playing at Middlesbrough. Matt Turner, 28, playing at, at – no, I contracted to Arsenal, not playing. I And then Slonina. I think of those three, at, at least one of them will be consist, a consistent starter at, at, a, at a, a top club, a respected yeah. club. So – I mean, the, the it's there for the taking if Gago Sonina can somehow get go go over to Europe and start playing for a, a top club. Maybe it's a, on loan for a few years outside of MLS in Europe. Then sure, but um, I, I still feel very confident that we'll we'll have a, a top keeper um, in, in 2026. I just want to let, let me ask you this real quick, Jimmy. I have ahead, a question for you uh, for for our goalkeeper pool. Right, this is mm-hmm. this is the an interesting sort of dynamic of what's the right club for a goalkeeper far different than me as a left back charlie as a striker jimmy as you as a center back of where do you go because a lot of it's the training environment which you get whether you're playing or not and then it's the matches right so you go to uh, salzburg for example if you're a goalkeeper very different than brendan aronson who's going to have the ball all the time get the touches you want goalkeepers probably not going to get as much love right or much time um uh in and around making saves and being involved but like what is that balance at least jimmy your take with charlie of, of a, like the right situation for a goalkeeper where they're getting challenged and tested in games, but they're not just going to a big club that's dominating and, and never getting, you know, or maybe that is the thing of, of making those two big saves a game that you have to if you're playing at a Celtic or, or a Rangers in Scotland on a loan deal. Well, I think given what or where the U.S. men's national team is right now, where, you know, we're, we're probably middle of the pack in terms of what we're capable of. We obviously can't hang with the, the big player, the big teams in the, in the, 
and and you know go against the biggest players, but also at times we struggle to break down a low block against El Salvador, right? So we're going to have times when we don't have a lot of the ball. We're going to have times when we do have a lot of it. And we don't know how to break them down. And and having a goalkeeper that's switched on to make that one or two big save, that timely save, I think is important. And I think there's there's a room to have those experiences as a goalkeeper. But to have that for 38 games, probably not as great. I mean, I think you want to have that middle ground where you are kind of under the gun at times and you are having to manage the chaos. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think a goalkeeper that can manage their box, good coming off of their line, uh, killing attacks by by either putting guys in good spots or or by you know with their feet or whatever is being expected out of them from how they play and how what their coach wants uh, is all important. So so uh, games are going to be it, right? Training most of the time, and we've been in enough trainings. Yes, it's well, at least for the for the trainings I was at, eleven v eleven doesn't happen very often. Maybe once a week. It's a lot of seven v seven, five v five, eight v eight. It's just a complete just shooting uh, storm where where it's more for the attackers than maybe it is for the goalkeepers. But I do like where Zach Steffen went with Middlesbrough. I, I, they were one point away from finishing in the top six in the championship last year. They're, they're adding some pieces, him included, that will maybe kick them on to play some really meaningful games and get into that championship playoff so they can get promoted into the Premier League next season. I want that for him. I want him to live through that and have that type of pressure and responsibility that I don't think he's had for quite some time with Manchester City, despite his one-off games with the FA Cup from time to time. So I think he's in a nice spot. Luton Town, where Ethan Horvath went on loan from Nottingham Forest. I don't know if they're going to be as competitive, but I think with a 0-0 clean sheet against Birmingham this this past weekend, as Charlie mentioned, that's a good first start. First game, first clean sheet, and now he's going to really hopefully immerse immerse himself into the rest of the team and that back line in particular. So I'm kind of leaning more towards what Zach Steffen is doing, but I don't know if I would want to go to a Salzburg that completely dominates every single game and, and not really get enough of the action, but maybe Charlie feels a little bit different. No, I think it's different for a field player. Uh, for a field player, you you want to, depending on what type of player you are, you want to have possession. You want to be dominating. You want to be competing in Europe. I think for a keeper, the English championship is a beast. So you're playing a lot of games, the repetitions there, and the parity is, is it's not crazy. So you're kind of in every game. It's super competitive. I think that's a great place for a keeper to grow. You're going to get a lot of, of, of chances, a lot of um, a lot of opportunities. And, and for Ethan Horvath and, and Zach Steffen, it's a fantastic move this year, this year because you're playing a lot of games and you're coming into the World Cup super confident and fit and, and hopefully healthy. So I, I, I would feel, and I feel like most U.S. men's national team supporters would feel much more confident and comfortable with your keepers coming in, having played a vast amount of games and having to, you know, basically be in tune with, with the speed of play in the championship because it's so hectic and a lot of set pieces and crosses. And so you just feel that much more, I think, confident heading into the, the, the World Cup with Zach Steffen and well, Ethan McGrath add- both playing. Sure. Charlie, let me ask you this then on uh, how different do you think in your opinion or, you know, Jimmy, jump in on this too. Do you think is a situation where Slonina is going to be 18, right? So put it into like dog years, like he's like a 15 year old field player uh, going into a Chelsea environment and training every single day with the first team, right? Getting probably reserve matches, but training every day with the first team in that environment at 18 years old versus a Zach Steffen, who's 27, right? Who's been through that now. He's been in that environment. And you talk about the importance. And I remember Matt Turner mentioning 
just the importance of 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 the value that Greg Berhalter held for Zach Steffen being in Man City's environment versus playing week in and week out at at New England Revolution. And I'm just trying to compare that to Gaga Slonina at his age, soaking in a first team environment and the competitive nature and facing shots from the best strikers in the world for a couple of years without having to be in a rush versus Zach Steffen, who actually needs to take that experience of being in the club and now apply it to matches played. I'm just thinking. I guess. My question is, do you do you think that Gagasonina needs to be playing now as well, or would it be a better situation for him to be in an environment like Chelsea training every single day? No, he needs Where to be Where is there more value coming from? He, he, okay. Playing, because he, he's so young at, at this point. It's just playing. Playing in Major League Soccer at that age as your starter, that is inc- that's an incredible experience, and, and it's so valuable. I think that's going to help him in, in the long term more so than – being a young young keeper who will probably be the fourth or fifth keeper on that Chelsea roster and kind of just being on the outskirts, you know you're not really used in the 11 v 11 anyways. You, you really want to be the backup keeper if you're in that situation because you know you'll get a game here or there, injury, suspension. But if you're the fourth, fifth keeper, it's so much more important to be playing for, for a, a first team like Chicago Fire and getting matches and, and getting shots. Okay, so the pro tip I want to give to all the goalkeepers in our player pool is that the sooner you get bald, the better chance you are to be an absolute legend for the national team. Tim mm-hmm. Howard, Brad Friedel, Casey Keller, Marcus Hanneman, Brad Guzan. Like, if things just started popping off for Guzan when he started yeah. to lose his hair, just wanted to throw that out there. So whoever really wants to get in there and get bald, I think you've got a great, great chance of being our number one for the foreseeable future. All right, let's talk about some notable names that happened uh, around the U.S. men's national team player pool, both domestically in MLS and around Europe. And around the world, uh, not only did uh, Jordan Pifok just score in the DFB Pokal, the cup competition in Germany, so did Joe Scally this past weekend for Bruce Munch and Gladbach in their 9-1 win over Ober Arkin. I don't even know, but he scored. That's he one I haven't heard of. Scored. So, so it, it, regardless, a goal is a goal is a goal, and it's good to see Joe Scally out there performing and doing well. In the Scottish Premiership, Rangers were down 1-0 to Livingston, and they came back after... Malik Tillman and James Sands came on the field and came back to win that one 2-1. And Tillman came on at halftime and had played so well in the second half. They're looking to maybe start him in the Champions League qualifier this upcoming week, which would be a very big deal. James Sands got in with the last 23 minutes, but that was still with the game in the balance. They were down 1-0 when he came on and helped. It also turned around to 2-1. Those are those are good, good positive things for those two players in particular. Other ones that stand out for me, Josh Sargent got 72 minutes in a 1-0 loss at Cardiff. I did see some chatter online about how Josh Sargent went from being kind of our, our one of our number nines that we were going to rely on moving forward to just being a really hardworking winger that doesn't do as much anymore. I don't know if you guys want to comment on that. Brian Reynolds got seven minutes as a substitute. Uh, I wanted to say and ask you, Heath, because I know that you are close with Mark McKenzie. He was in the 18 for Gank when they took on Standard Liege this past weekend, but he did not play in their 3-1 win. You had mentioned that he was kind of on or that the things were changing. He was being captain and all that stuff. And now he's in the 18 and doesn't play. Was there an injury or, or what kind of insight can you give well, I've, us on that? Because obviously that's a big position for us as we try to fill that center back spot. Yeah. I think that's going to come down to whether or not they sell John Lukumi. If they sell Lukumi, then I think he naturally slots into that position. Uh, and that's just a, a matter of moving him or not. I think if they don't, I, I could, I assume that he'll go on loan. That's where I think the end uh, the, that lies. Cause I don't think he'd be comfortable or willing to, I'm speaking for him, and I don't know, but uh, knowing that it's a World Cup year, if, if the writing's on the wall that the player that they were meant to sell, I think it was like Leipzig and a couple other clubs that were trying to come in on Lukumi, uh, but he's got a pretty big price tag. 
if that doesn't happen, I could see him being sort of that last minute loan deal uh, while the window is still open. But yeah, pretty disappointing having talked to him a couple like a couple weeks ago was the last time I talked to him, and he would mentioning sort of just the energy around it, the trust from the coach. You know, got the band in in one of the preseason matches, which again is doesn't mean anything other than like a trust and a leadership type of thing. So uh, I could see that playing out as we look towards the end of the window, perhaps having to make a move uh, in order to force his hand to, to get the minutes that he needs in a World Cup year, but also just for his, his own development after coming off of last year, a pretty rough year, a couple coaches, things like that. So I could see something's going to give uh, in the coming weeks uh, in that one. What's, what's interesting is that because the seasons are starting again in Europe, it feels like the transfer window is over, but there's still actually 30 days. They have the whole month of August to have transfers. So I'm curious to see what kind of moves are going to be made by multiple teams uh, around the world as they try to strengthen for this upcoming season and ahead of the World Cup. Now, Charlie, not only that, you mentioned Richie Ledesma a little bit earlier. He came off the bench for PSV, who is now coached by Ruud van Nistelrooy in their 5-3 win, their surprising 5-3 win over Ajax in the Dutch Super Cup. So that was pretty interesting. Jordi Mihalovic is back and healthy, played 82 minutes for Montreal. This past weekend against New York City FC, it was a 0-0 draw. Uh, Nico Giacchini uh, did not play in their 2-1 win. Uh, excuse me, 2-1 loss uh, Orlando City had. They were up 1-0, by the way. We had Oscar Perea on last week. If you didn't catch that interview, he was gracious and awesome, and, and we hope to have him on the show again. I thought they were going to go up to D.C. and get an easy three points. They should have been up 3-0 at halftime, or at least through 60 minutes. And DC scored two goals in the 90th plus 91st minute and 95th minute to steal all three points. Oscar Perea has got to be absolutely gutted. They should have put that one away. But uh, Giacchini didn't play in that one. He did play in their 5-1 win over um, uh, New York in the Open Cup semifinals. Cameron Carter-Vickers got 90 minutes in their 2-0 win for Celtic over Aberdeen. And any players that jump out for you? Uh, Charlie Davies. Before uh, we start to get to our final, I think you wanted to. I think you wanted to mention something about Josh Sargent. What were you going to say, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, nothing. I got. I got nothing. Um, no, I. I, uh, I think Malik Tillman is an interesting one with Rangers, so I'll, I'll keep my eye on on him and his performances. And, and Richie Ledesma is super talented. You can see when he he comes into the game, what he has a different dynamic. So I'm, and under Ruben Nistori as the manager, maybe. This is a season where he takes that, that step forward. So I'll, I'll be watching um, PSV are another top club in, in Holland. So they'll be competing in Europe. So um, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I want to go back, though. Did you want to say something about Josh Sargent? Do you feel no? I, I you, you have to have no. some thoughts on him. I mean, he went from <laughs> yeah. kind of being our hopeful, our guy. And and now yeah. he's not. And he's like so far off. Up. But this is, again, goes back to teenage years to like, you know, you fast forward two, three, four years, you get a wrong move. And now you're for, I don't, I'm not saying it was a wrong move. Maybe it's the right move for him for a number of reasons, but in terms of the stability of trajectory of, of development, growth, it, I think it's at a yeah. certain position. He's been playing yeah. winger. I mean, he's a, he's an outside midfield winger now and him as an outside winger midfielder is irrelevant for the U S at least mm -hmm. like he's never, that's never a fit. So yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. All right. Just Richie to Ledesma, by the way, Jimmy, uh, go ahead. Talk no, to me sorry. About the um, no, I just I, I I think sometimes we 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 because of injuries and whatnot. Like PSV Eindhoven is a massive club. Like that is a really big club, and the fact that he's getting minutes and now coming up, I think is uh, as Charlie said, could be a huge year if, if under Roy, Roy Ruud van Nistelrooy he gets the minutes. But that is a big club to be getting minutes from, and from like a footballing system or style of play, a big deal and one that uh, could be a surprise addition come September or it could be a World Cup inclusion or 
could still end up becoming a really, really impactful player for our national team. So I don't want to, just because he hasn't been in the mix for the last couple of years, I don't want to write him off on that because his his pathway, I think, at the club that he's at and the fact that he's getting minutes and what his potential is could be something special for us. No, I agree with you 100%. It looks like maybe this cycle will come too soon, but 2026, you never know. He's only 21. He played five games in the Eredivisie last year and had one goal. We'll see. With getting some minutes here in the Super Cup, we'll see if that translates into more minutes when the domestic league gets going in earnest. All right, final thoughts from you guys. I do want to say that as a little teaser, we're going to have LAFC coach and one of our former national team teammates, Steve Trudel, on the show this week. We're just trying to finalize the times for all that, but we're very excited to talk to Steve and obviously get some insight on what it's like to coach Gareth Bale and Chiellini and Carlos Vela and everything else that he's trying to juggle over there. But it looks like everything's going pretty easy. Must be nice to be Steve Trudel right now so so to, uh, make sure you mark that on your calendars for later this week turn on your notifications hit like and subscribe all that good stuff on all the audio platforms as well Heath I'll come to you first any final thoughts about anything that you want to talk about U.S. soccer related um not particularly <laughs> I mean I, it's pretty I mean it's pretty clear that 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 Charlie doesn't like Brandon Vasquez which yeah I'm, that's clear uh, I wanted to get into I'm, that some more so I don't I didn't I don't think I need any more clarity I thought you were going to bring up I thought you were going to bring up Ric Flair <laughs> like his, his last match, wrestling oh, that is true. That is true. Shout, uh, shout out to Rick Flair. <laughs> Rick Flair, the Nature Boy. Woo! Yeah. And rest in peace, okay. Bill Russell, who who obviously came and talked uh, to us before the 2010 World Cup. Um, came and talked to the team in camp and uh, gave some so words sad. of wisdom. And I saw U.S. Soccer post a photo of him next to to Gooch, who's one of the bigger people I know, and he just like dwarfs Gooch in the photo, um, which is crazy. Okay, Charlie. Any final thoughts? Maybe you want to explain yourself a little bit more about Brandon Vasquez. I don't know. No, all I have to say is cream cheese, Jimbo. You've done a <laughs> yeah, great work today, Jim. Great Jim, work, Jim. You, you, you really you. have done an awesome job uh, moderating the, this podcast, running it. You're, That's you're what man. I do. So keep That's it, what keep I it do. going. Jimbo, all right, we're going to call Jimbo it a show. President. We're, call, we're calling it a show. <laughs> I can't deal with all this praise. We're calling it a show. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad saying – Thank you for listening and watching in Soccer We Trust. And we will see you next time with our main man, Steve Trundolo. Later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.